Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. Are y'all confused? Like, are we, like, who are we? We done messed around and let the cat out the bag last week and we all confused. I see All Nations Aurora shirts and Purpose City Church signs. And... Well, welcome to my brain, because I've had to hold this in my brain for several months. Y'all didn't even notice. I, I just stopped saying the name. I just came up here and said, hey, church, because I didn't want to say the wrong name. Um, but yeah, if you weren't here last week, uh, we made the announcement that All Nations Aurora is joining forces, locking arms with another neighboring church in Aurora by the name of Ginger Creek. And starting October 8th, both of us will come together like Voltron and we will be known as Purpose City Church. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Woo! I'm so glad that y'all know because I've been just trying not to let it slip. And to God be the glory. Um, we do have a lot of work to do. You heard uh, Cousin Crystal, that's what we call her, Cousin Crystal. Y'all welcome, well, welcome Crystal back. She came back with a whole husband. Shout out to Christian and Crystal, the newlyweds in this house. Um, but yeah, man, we got work to do. We got work to do. We got work to do. Um, the Lord has blessed us through this process that we will no longer start on October 8th, be meeting here. Uh, in the high school, we will be going over to our new facility. Um, my wife and I are excited to lead this church into the future. But turn to your neighbor and tell him, hey, neighbor, we got work to do. Um, yeah, we need y'all to give. Um, let, me just, let, me just put, let me just lay it out. Let me, let me lay it out. Let me lay it out. Uh, well, there's a lot of updates that, that we have to do, and the only way it's going to get done is if we come together and we give sacrificially in that effort um, if you go back to allnationsaurora.com slash give today or later another day, there's a drop down that says building renovations and 100% of all the do donations and offerings that go into the category of building renovations will go into building renovations. This ain't one of them uh, church funds that's everlasting and evergreen. No, we got a specific purpose <laughs> and uh, we're going to get it. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to get it done. And we want you to know that as a church. Um, your two leaders are leading by examples, right? Um, uh, a little uh, transparency. Before we buy a can of paint, um, before we uh, lift up any carpet, before um, we, we buy any signage, we sold. Oh, y'all, I thought this was a giving church. Why did it get so quiet? Before we did any renovation, because we believe in the power of the seed, because it's biblical, we sent tens of thousands of dollars to 10 ministries to show God that we trust him with our future. Thank you for all six of y'all that believe in the power of the seed. And so we need you all to be sacrificial as well in your, in your giving. Um, Talk to God, ask him what you should give towards this, and then do it. Say, pray and obey. Don't pray and negotiate with the Holy Ghost. 
<laughs> pray, <laughs> and what he say do, do. All right? Because turn to your neighbor one more time and say, neighbor, we got work to do. And I'm excited about it. I hope you're excited about it because the Lord is showing us that he trusts us. Hello, I said the Lord is showing us that he trusts us. That's why he chose us and he chose Ginger Creek to come together and he put my wife and I in charge of taking this and moving it into the future. And we cannot do it without each and every one of you all. So yes, we need you to submit your gifts, your talents and your abilities and your dollars. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We also want to give a shout out to, um, we had some recent graduates of our Discovery class. Can we put our hands together for them? They took the next level and said, not only am I going to come to this church, but I'm going to be an official member of this church because this is the house that the Lord brought me to. So for each and every one of you all who recently graduated, we celebrate you. We shout you out. Um, you can get your certificate out at the Start Here desk right after service. And on behalf of my wife and myself, welcome home. Welcome home. This is our, this is our very last Family Sunday. Whoa. Everybody that got an All Nations Aurora gear on, stand up real quick. Let me see it. Let me see it. Shout out to y'all, man. Come on, let's put our hands together for our All Nations Aurora gear. They was like, listen, I paid good money. I'm going to wear it one more time. Yeah, I know we Purpose City, but I'm going I'm to wear it one more time. <laughs> Shout out to us. Uh, every third Sunday, we made it an um, intentional decision where we worship with our children. Uh, we called it Family Sunday because we believe in the discipleship of the entire house. We don't want you just all right with Jesus. We want your kids to be that as well. And so that's why you see us all worshiping together on this Sunday. We typically have kids church, but on the third Sunday, we decided to come together as a family to be discipled together. Amen. We're in a incredible series of conversations that we have titled Painkillers. Painkillers. Uh, because no matter how saved we look in these seats, we all have pain. We all go through things. We all wrestle and have struggles in some form or fashion. Cannot get, away, cannot get away with it. Just because you surrender your life to Jesus does not negate trouble coming your way. In fact, Jesus warned us that it would. And then he told us not to worry about it because he had overcome the world, but he did tell us that it would come. He did tell us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. It won't work, but it will come. And when pain comes, we as believers, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we have to do things a certain way to deal with the pain. We can't do what they do. We can't numb and medicate the way that they do. Our scriptures, our Bibles have painkillers that we should take as our remedy when life's pains come our way. So in week one, we talked about rest. The prescription for some of our trouble is rest. We be doing too much. Say, you be doing too much. And God instituted rest, and we ignore it because we think that it's no big deal until we end up in pain. And then last week, we talked about the next prescription for some of our pain is childlike faith. 
Because for some of us, when we were kids, we had big dreams and big dependencies on God, and nobody could talk us out of the big things that God was going to use us to do, and then we grew up. And then we had responsibilities. Life hit us a certain way. And slowly but surely, we stopped depending on God and started depending on ourselves. That makes us susceptible for all kinds of pain. We have to learn how to return to childlike faith. The scripture that anchors this entire series is Luke 21 and 34, which reads, Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. We think, we think that we got this thing called life under control until the anxieties of life sneak up on us like a trap. And then we're reminded of how dependent on God we actually are and should be. We should never lose sight of who we are and who he is and how dependent on him we are. So now that moves us to today's discussion. And this discussion will begin in 2 Samuel, the fourth chapter. 2 Samuel, the fourth chapter, I'll be reading in the NLT. And we're going to be introduced to um, a gentleman who some have heard of, who some have not. And his name is Mephibosheth. He's an interesting character. Um, he comes from a very famous line of Bible characters. He is the grandson of the first king of Israel. His name was Saul. And he is the son of who should, many people believe, have been the heir to the throne after Saul. And that was Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan had a best friend. You've heard of him. His name's David. And when, 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 when David was a part of the kingdom and, and serving King Saul, David and Saul's relationship fractured because Saul became extremely jealous of David because the hand of God was on David's life. And everything that David did prospered even more so than King Saul because the hand of God had left, had left the life of King Saul. And so David had to run. He had to flee for his life because it got so bad that King Saul was consistently trying to kill David, even though that was his son's best friend. So it went for years, decades. David's running. Saul's trying to kill him. And on and on and on it went until they had to confront each other. Their armies began to fight one another. And sadly, um, not only in that battle did David lose his once mentor, but he also lost his best friend. Both King Saul and three of his four sons were killed on the battlefield, including Jonathan. And then later, his fourth and final son, uh, was killed by David's men behind David's back. And David ended up killing his men for killing the son of Saul because David was a man of honor and integrity. He did not order Saul's son killed. They did it behind 
his back. So it's been a mess. This is worse than an episode of This Is Us. Just messy. And then in, in, in 2 Samuel 4, we get introduced to Mephibosheth. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. One verse. Hang with me. Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth, who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan <coughs> had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him. And he became crippled. Today, I'm, I'm going to talk from the topic of damaged goods. What do you do when the person who was supposed to care for you drops you? And how do you recover from being dropped by the person who was supposed to love you the most? Let's pray. God, we love you. You are perfect in all of your ways, and we are far from that. But with your help, Lord, we want to be more like you today than we were yesterday. Help us speak to our hearts, change our life forever through the power of your word and the presence of your spirit. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Damaged goods. <laughs> See, here, 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 here's the big, let me give you a conclusion up front. You may be damaged, but God says you're still good. <laughs> We're all damaged goods. Every last one of us has been hurt in some way by someone who we thought would care for us. And a lot of us are still in pain from being dropped and we've been dealing with it all the wrong way. Some of us, <laughs> we, 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 we lean towards destructive behaviors, addictions, and what have you. But some of us, we dress it up in work. Some of us, we dress it up and call it ministry. But it's all a cover-up of a damaged, wounded soul. Because none of those is the answer or the painkiller that's subscribed to us through Scripture. Um, I mentioned this during our, our time of prayer yesterday, um, but two days ago, Christian recording artist Kirk Franklin put out a, a mini documentary and I heard about it early, so I went not knowing what it was about. I thought maybe because he's been working on music that this was some type of behind-the-scenes journey of the process. Um, but it turned out that it was a documentary that spoke to the fact that at 53 years old this year, he met his father for the first time. And I don't know who's ever been dropped before <laughs> in the room, but if you watch this documentary chances are those wounds might reopen. Can I just be honest with you all? <laughs> I'm not a crier, and I know that's dysfunctional, but at least I can admit mine. <laughs> I was told not to cry. Boys, don't cry. You man up. Dry those tears up. And so I stopped crying. But 
As I'm watching this documentary, not knowing what it was about, but following the story, the anxieties of life snuck up on me. And I found myself weeping. Not as a 42-year-old man, but as as a five-year-old little boy that I forgot was still there. Because being dropped hurts. Kirk Franklin made this statement during the documentary. He said, how do I learn who I am well when all I know is me broken? He talked about the fact that I, 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 I've achieved all of these things. I've got 19 Grammys. They say I'm the number one recording artist in the gospel industry of all time, but I'm still just trying to be somebody's son. Because we can cover it up with ministry. We can try to cover up the wounds with workaholism. We can try to cover up the wounds with drugs, alcohol, sex. But we still end up damaged. Because the first thing we have to do in order to proceed with where God is trying to take us is acknowledge it. Not cover it up. Not be phony, not be fake, because God is not phony and he's not fake. His word is littered with people who were damaged. People who were broken and imperfect and didn't have it all together and didn't have it all figured out. And he used them to show you and I that although we may be damaged, In his eyes, we're still good. But it requires us acknowledging the damage and taking it to him. (laughs) That's where we mess up. That's where we drop the ball. Because we don't realize over time, do something dysfunctionally long enough, it seems now to be functional. (laughs) But elongated dysfunction is not function, excuse me, elongated dysfunction is not function, it's still dysfunction. You just got used to it. You just tried to normalize your dysfunction. But we got to understand that there are several ways that your enemy, the devil, delivers damage to you. I'm a boxing fan. Um, I grew up a fan of boxing because my dad was a fan of boxing, an amateur boxer himself, and my grandfather was uh, a boxing fan and a pro boxer. And so I just grew up watching boxing because it was in my, in my, 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 my bloodline, my DNA. Um, the number one rule in boxing is this. Protect yourself at all times. Right? Protect yourself at all times. Because when you're in a fight... If you let your guard down, you're susceptible to being knocked out. Problem is, you don't realize you're in a fight for your life. And some of you have let your guards down. Now, in boxing, there are several ways you can get hit. You can take head shots, maybe through a jab or through a right hook or an uppercut. But there's also body shots. So damage can be done to your head and your face. But damage can be done to your body as well because blows can be delivered 
to different places and still do damage. Okay, come on. Stay with me. Your enemy, the devil, has certain ways that he delivers damage to your soul as well. One of the number one ways that he delivers damage to your soul is through your ears. The words that are spoken to you, about you, and over you. Negative. Telling you what you're not and what you can't be and what you're never going to accomplish. You know what the problem is with these words being delivered to us consistently or even maybe only one time is we take it in and believe it to be true. After a while, now you start referring to yourself as less than. You start making your damage your identity. You start to self-identify because you messed up. Now that becomes your title. Did you see how we were introduced to Mephibosheth? First thing they told us was he was crippled. First thing they identified after his name was his damage. Before they told us how old he was, before they told us anything else, they told us how damaged he was. And later on in the story, you'll find when we get to it that when he shows back up before King David as an adult, he calls himself a dead dog. Because for so long, all he heard was crippled. All he heard was nothing. All he heard was you can't do. All he heard was you'll never be. All he heard was what you should have done and what you could have been and what you're not now. He began to self-identify with the damage. That's why none of you are operating in your ministry gifts right now. Because you don't identify yourself the way God does. You want to tell me about your damage. That's why I just come to church and sit here. Because I'm damaged, pastor. Number one way that we get those types of definitions about ourselves is through our ears. The second way is through efforts. It's not just what people said about us, but it's what people have done to us. People have done damaging things to your life. And you haven't recovered from it. They told you to be quiet. And you stopped talking. They told you you don't learn right. And so you stopped your educational journey. They told you you had no people skills. And so you decided that you weren't going to try to advance at the company. They told you you had... This is Children's Sunday. That you had an inappropriate relational resume. I think that was a good way to say it. And they said that you'll never find the one. Did I do okay? All right. But, but, but it's not just the words that people say to us, but it's the things that people do to us. Some of us have experienced abuse in various forms. And that encounter or that traumatic season of life became a wound that we just tried to cover up. We were bleeding profusely and we put a little band-aid on it hoping that that would do the trick. 
But every now and then a trigger shows up and that wound begins to run a little bit. It begins to open up a little bit because we didn't properly address the wound. You cannot put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. It does not do the job. Band-Aids work to heal in certain situations, but they are ill-equipped for others. You have to know how you're wounded, where you're wounded, and who wounded you so that you can properly address what they did to you that they should not have done to you. So it's through your ears, it's, it's through efforts, but it's also through exposure. Some of us were exposed to things we should not have been exposed to. We were exposed to things that are not from God. We were exposed to things that completely turned our lives upside down, and we've been trying to get free ever since. We act like we're free in public, but in private we're bleeding because somebody exposed us to something that we should not have been exposed to. The devil loves to use the delivery method of exposure to damage us. Last one environment. Sometimes things are out of our control. We can't help where we were born, the lineage we were born into, the situations we were raised in, the situations we were put in, and sometimes the enemy uses toxic environments to cause monumental damage to our souls. We got to be careful because if we're not aware of the different delivery methods that damage shows up on our doorsteps, we'll let our guard down and we won't protect ourselves at all times. And we end up allowing space for more damage to occur because we don't have our guards up. Turn to your neighbor, say, neighbor, don't let your guard down. You see all four of these delivery methods in this one little verse about Mephibosheth. It says again, I'm going to read it. Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. Words. That's all he heard. That's all he was told. That's all he was identified as was this crippled little boy. He was five years old when the report came. What's the report? The report it's a bad report. He lost his father. He lost his grandfather. Through the efforts of their enemies, he is now without them both. He lost not just his father, not just his grandfather, but because of the, the, the efforts of others, he's now no longer in line for the throne. So he lost his kingdom. His identity. Let me say it another way. He was robbed of his future at five. Some of you were robbed of your future as a child through circumstances out of your control. And we have to deal with it biblically. Keep going. Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. Bad environment. And as 
his nurse hurried away and dropped him. He lost the ability to use his feet forever. Forever. Because of delivery methods of damage, some look at him and look down. All they see in their minds and their estimation is lost potential. Man, you had it made. You had a whole staff of people around you when you were Saul's grandson. (laughs) Now look at you. You're just crippled. No good can't be used. Your life is over. How many times and how many ways has that been said about you? For some of us, we use that as fuel to prove people wrong. And for others, we use that as identification badges that we walk around with, and both, both are destructive. Because now, in scenario A, I'm going to prove these people wrong, but the problem is once you do, you still feel empty. Because all your efforts in school, all your efforts on your job, all your efforts in your business was not to fulfill the call of God on my life. I need to prove these people that I am somebody. And why do you have to prove to people that you are somebody? Because you don't know who you are. That's the only time you got to prove something to somebody. It's when you don't already know who you are. You're not trying to prove it to them. You're trying to prove it to you. Because you don't know who you are, you've allowed these these delivery methods to derail you. But there's not only just ways and avenues by which damage is done, but there's also certain domains where damage really affects us. Because see, even in a boxing match, you can get hit in certain places and kind of shake it off. Kind of, as they say, roll with the punches. Like you got hit, but it didn't quite damage you. You was able to kind of, but it's certain domains on your body that if you get hit clean, you're going to stumble a little bit. I don't care how much weights you lift. I don't care how much endurance you had in that moment. If you get hit in the right spot, your knee's going to buckle. You might go down if you don't have your Guards up. The first domain where damage happens is through disappointments. We got we to gotta know this. We have to be aware of this so that we can deal with this properly. We got to stop acting like we got it figured out if we actually don't. It's okay to not be okay. But you got to know that you're not Okay, disappointments. These are circumstances that for reasons understood or not failed to meet your expectations. You really thought your dad was going to show up and he didn't. You really thought your mom was going to give you that unconditional love, but you never got it. They failed 
to meet your expectations and left you scarred through disappointment. And let me tell you, disappointment hurts. When they let you down, when you just knew they were going to be there for you, when you just knew they was going to love you the right way, when you just knew that they were going to help you advance and they didn't. And when the disappointment settles in, it scars you. It's a deep wound. Makes your knees buckle. Sends you stumbling a little bit. But then we got to be real, though. It's not only just disappointments from others, but sometimes it's dumb decisions by our own self. We got to deal with it all. Because some of us, after being dropped, start making dumb decisions because we didn't deal with being dropped biblically. So we start to find our own coping mechanisms and our own tools of relief. And we end up making the wrong decisions and we end up paying the price for it. We don't get better, we get worse through our own decisions. We got to deal with it all, the stuff people did to us and the stuff we did to ourselves if we're going to get healed, if we're going to become whole if we're going to become the men or woman, man or woman that God sent us to this earth to become, if we're going to walk in our purpose, we got to deal with our pain. Because he sent the pain to prohibit your purpose. And if you don't deal with the pain, you cannot walk in your purpose whole. God can still use you and he will because he's God. But it's another level. It's another degree of power that you allow into your life when you deal with the pain. So not only disappointments and dumb decisions, but there's also desertion. Some of us are just straight up left and abandoned. And we got to call it what it is. They walked out on us. They left us for dead. They weren't concerned about us. They went on with their life like we never existed. And that hurts bad. No matter what you do in life from that point forward, if you don't deal with it, it's going to reopen. Because when you are deserted, you look around, you feel all alone. It does something to you. It can make a bright situation feel dark. When you're sitting there getting the award, wishing they were there with you, celebrating you too. We got to deal with the wounds that came to our soul because they walked out on us. (laughs) Can I give you one that um, nobody ever talks about? Another domain for damage is doing well. Oh, yeah. Being successful can lead to a damaged soul. When you come from nothing and then you get something, you look around and the people who've been there don't want you there because they call you new money. And the people that you came from, they think that you done changed and you think that you all that and you find yourself abandoned again. After all this hard work, 
Nobody still wants me. Abandoned. Dropped. I thought that if I got the degree, I thought if I showed up to work early and stayed late, that they would accept me, that they would love me. I thought if I put in all this work to get this company off the ground, people would look up to me. I could be influential. I still feel alone. I'm still trying to be loved. So sometimes success, you're the first one to go to college. You're the first homeowner. You're the first business owner. How do you deal with people not accepting your success? and people distancing themselves from you because of it. How do you deal with that, that pain of being abandoned? <laughs> We're almost there. I know y'all are sad. But I'm taking you somewhere. Because we were introduced to Mephibosheth at age five. In chapter four, of 2 Samuel, but some time goes by before we ever hear from him again. And by the time that we do hear about him again, he is a grown man. We pick up the story, and I'm going to skip around a little bit, but we are reintroduced to him in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Verse 1 says, one day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness? For Jonathan's sake, hold on to that, underline that, hold on to it. Not for Mephibosheth's sake, <laughs> but for Jonathan's sake. Here's what's happened over the time that's elapsed. David conquered. David became king. David started deleting all of the enemies. David was the man. He's fully entrenched as the king of Israel. He started off as king of Judah because Judah and the rest of Israel were separate at that time. But as time goes on, now he is the king over all of Israel. Because of the honor and the integrity that was in his heart and in his DNA, it's like, man, I'm here, but man, I miss my best friend. Is there anybody, were there any survivors from all of this warfare? And one of his servants said, yeah, actually, Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son, he's off in this other land. He's still alive. And so in verse 5, David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed to the ground in deep respect. Now he's crippled. Can you understand the effort, physical exertion that it would take for a crippled person to bow down? Don't lose sight of that. Because even though you're damaged, come on, even though you're not 100%, even though you have these injuries, you still should always bow before the king. And he welcomes your damaged bow. 
Never lose your bow. Write that down. No matter how life hits you and damages you, never lose your bow to the king. He welcomes your bow even when you are hurt. Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. David said, don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you because of your because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. Remember, Saul was trying to kill him. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, here it is, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? He's taken what everybody has said about him and made it his identity. He said, I'm a dead dog. I have no business being here in front of you. I have no business being rewarded this land. I have no business sitting and eating at this table. Because over time, those words, those actions, those exposures, and those environments take root in our hearts. And it becomes the lens of our worldview. And it becomes the lens and the mirror by which we start to see ourselves. That's all that we are. I'm just a dead dog. Do you know why he called himself a dead dog? It's because he was afraid of the king. Why would he be afraid of the king? Because all of his ancestors were killed by this king's army. And so he just said, you know what? I know you probably want to kill me too. So he was trying to get ahead of the curve. By seeing himself of lesser value than the king saw him. How many of us are looking at ourselves with less value than the king sees us. When are we going to start seeing us the way the king sees us? He, he brought Mephibosheth to him. He brought him to bless him. He brought him because he was an heir, but he couldn't see that about himself. To himself, he was just a dead dog. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the addictions that I'm struggling with. I'm just a dead dog. You don't know the ways that I've been abused. You don't know how they use me. King, I'm just a dead dog. He didn't even say dead man. He said, I'm a dead dog. I mean, I'm even less than a man in your presence. How low do you have to see yourself to make yourself less than human? Out your own mouth. Damage. Good. Then the king summoned, verse 9, Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons... And servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, 
will eat at my table. Like he's got land, he's got a big old house, now he's got servants, but he's going to eat at my table. So you're going to do all the work, you're going to bring him and his meals, and he's going to sit at the king's table. Verse 11, Zeba replied, yes, my Lord King, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. So this, this crippled man who was crippled by no fault of his own, lost his family, lost his people, lost his kingdom through no fault of his own, lived his life in obscurity, lived his life being looked down upon by society, living his life as an outsider. The story goes on to say that from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table. This is the part that messed me up. Like one of the king's own sons. Like one of the king's own sons. So, so, so what, what do you need? What's the remedy when you're dropped, when you're abandoned, when you're left for dead, when you're talked about, when you're done wrong? How do we deal with that pain? You don't need a drug. No, no. You don't need food. You don't even need a person. All you need is a DNA test. (laughs) All you need is a reminder of who your daddy is. Mephibosheth got blessed because of who his daddy was. They did a DNA test and said there is somebody that's an heir. You can bless him because of who? His daddy. You you get dropped and you start to remember how these people on earth did you wrong and, and how this environment that you grew up in was awful and how life hit you so hard. Even though it wasn't your fault, you just need to start swabbing yourself through the scriptures and you need to find 2 Corinthians 6 and 18. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Or maybe Matthew 23 and 9. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. When you take this DNA test, you'll find out that he's the daddy. And it won't be 99.999, it'll be 100%. That he is your father and you are his child. And watch the pain start to subside. When you take your DNA test and remind yourself of who your daddy is. Because if, even if your daddy on earth ain't here, your daddy in heaven is waiting for you with open arms. And every time that you call on him, he answers. And every time that you invite him in, he shows up. Why? Because your father in heaven loves you. All you need is to take your DNA test. Stop letting the devil lie to you about who you are. And start believing God about who he says that you actually are. You are his son. You are his daughter. And because of who your daddy is, is why you sit at the king's table. 
not because of the gifts that he gave to you. It's because he's the giver of the gifts. So we don't worship the gifts. We worship the giver of the gifts. And when we realize the giver of the gifts is daddy, we can sit at his table and eat with him forever. Maybe you need another DNA test. Fine. Romans 8 and 14 says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. And then it goes on to say, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You're not a dead dog to the king. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you. Say adopted you as his own children. Now, because he adopted us, we get to call him Abba Father. He is your daddy. He is your father and you are his children. Watch the pain go away when you remember that. But it goes on to say, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are. Say we are. No, no, no. no. Say we are God's children. We don't get to talk our way out of it, and nobody else gets to talk us out of it. When his spirit joins with our spirit, the Bible says we are his children. He is the daddy. He's your father. Don't allow anything to make you forget who your father is. He loves you with all of his heart. And that's why although you may be damaged, you're still good. Although you may have this wound, he's the great physician. Although it took you a roundabout way to get here, you're here. And when you're in his presence, you're no longer a dead dog. You're no longer crippled you get to eat as one of his own sons because he claims you even if they didn't. He wants you even if they don't. He loves you even if they can't. And his love is unconditional and his love is everlasting. And that's the best remedy for being dropped. Every now and then we gotta, we gotta take a DNA test. Remind ourselves who our daddy really is. And when we take that and we realize that we can say on earth as it is in heaven. My heavenly father is my father on earth too. I don't have to wait to the day that I go there because he gave me his spirit while I am here. And because he is with me, I am not dropped. I have a father. And he loves me just as I am. Damaged, but good. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.